Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm Jonathan Strickland. I'm still on vacation. I'm vacating. Which means that we're going to enjoy another classic episode of Tech Stuff, but we're doing so for a specific reason, because of a little listener mail. And this comes from Troy, who says, Good afternoon. I've recently started to listen to your podcast as my tech interests begin to grow. I was hoping you could do an episode on Wi-Fi versus WiMAX. It would be great to learn about that. Well, Troy, way back in the day, I'm talking November of 2009, Chris Paulette, my original co-host, and I talked about Wi-Fi and the different types of Wi-Fi. And we also talked about WiMAX, which is not a type of Wi-Fi. We grouped it under there because it was the easiest way to explain it uh, to people who were unfamiliar with it. But I regret actually calling the episode the different types of Wi-Fi because WiMAX, that, that's, that's misleading. WiMAX and Wi-Fi are two different things. They're actually two different communications standards designed to transmit data wirelessly. So you can think of it as two different approaches to accomplish similar goals. 
Uh, now, WiMAX can transmit up to about a gigabit per second for fixed stations. In other words, a station that is in a fixed location. It's not moving around. And it can also transmit this at a much wider area than, say, Wi-Fi could. Uh, that is why WiMAX is really being used in municipal wireless data. So in other words, uh, it's, it's kind of a, uh, a replacement for wired connections. You wouldn't use cables. Instead, you would have these towers that would transmit WiMAX signals using this specific standard. And you could then provide internet connectivity to different uh, to a large area, whereas Wi-Fi tends to be much more localized. It doesn't have as broad a transmission range, but it can also go really fast. In fact, uh, the the 802.11ac standard uh, is on the five gigahertz band of frequencies because Wi-Fi uses two different frequency bands depending upon the standard you're using. And can also reach a gigabit per second or even theoretically faster than that. So the, the two are able to transmit data at similar speeds, but doing so in a different way. And I will now transfer this over to the episode where Chris and I talked more about these different types. Keeping in mind, this goes back to 2009 and the standards have evolved considerably since then. So enjoy this episode. We thought we'd talk a little bit about the different kinds of uh, wireless networks out there, uh, the ones that use the various standards set out by our good friends at the IEEE, or as I always like to call them, IEEE. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, uh, early early uh, networks were sort of like tin cans with the string between them. Yeah. This sort of makes the string virtual. Yeah, there you go. That's all you needed to know. There you go. Well, no, thanks very much. There's no, there, I'm, oh, I'm we're going to get mail now. She's going to get me. Yeah. Uh, all right. So anyway, uh, we're talking about a, a set of standards that in general fall under the designation 802.11. Those, Isn't that easy? Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's the most, those are the most common frequency, uh, variations of wireless networking. Yes. Right. So. The way you, uh, you'll see on things like routers and modems and stuff, you'll see this number followed by a letter, and that tells you which of the specific sets of standards you're working with. Now, you gotta understand what- Yeah, I was getting ready to correct myself. Oh, Because I said frequency, and that's not a frequency. No, no, no. It but is just a designation. It is number. a designation, yes. So, so the IEEE, they, they work on various, uh, designations for different um, networking solutions. And with the 802.11, you have different working groups all working on different sets of standards to try and create the, uh, the most stable and reliable form of wireless networking. In this case, wireless networking. Um, and it's, it's a little confusing because you have all these different groups working on, working from the same basic set of standards, but they're all tweaking them in different ways to try and get different kinds of performance out of them. So let's try and go through some of these. It's really kind of complex, but, um. Yeah, one of the things to, uh, that's kind of interesting about these different standards is, uh, as we start going through them, if we are going through them in alphabetical order, you will find that they do not necessarily uh, go start from the bottom up. Like if we start with eight uh, eight hundred two point eleven a, 
this actually operates on the 5 gigahertz frequency mm-hmm. and uh, can uh, carry up to 54 megabits of data per second. Right. Uh, in contrast, 802.11b, you'd figure it'd be faster. No, actually, it's not. It operates at the 2.4 gigahertz frequency and only can handle 11 megabits of data per second. Right. And that's just one of those things that makes it so confusing is you'd, you'd figure there'd be a logical progression there, and there's not necessarily one. Yeah, so w- uh, what do you think? Should we go by just by letter, even though it's not logical progression necessarily, but just to make it easier to, to move from one to the other? Well, those two, those two do fit well together because they were the first two... Uh, very common um, standards, right? At least in my experience. Well, eight hundred two point eleven B uses uh, unregulated radio signal frequencies uh-huh. in the two point four gigahertz range. So uh, here's something. Here's some things about the eight hundred two point one one B. Okay. Set of standards. Sure. Its signal range is is pretty good um, in the two point four gigahertz range, and it's not going to have problems with obstructions that some other frequencies do. So in other words, you might be able to use this kind of signal through walls, things like that. You don't have to worry about losing signal as soon as you turn a corner some, uh, from the source of the uh, the frequency. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not very expensive. The range is pretty good. Um, but it's not a very... It's not very fast, as you pointed out. Yeah. It, you know, compared to 802.11a, it's it's fairly slow. Um, and because it's an unregulated frequency, some other appliances that generate radio frequencies can cause interference within that wireless uh, frequency. Because you have to remember, the computer you're using, whatever, like if you have a wireless router that's broadcasting uh, Wi-Fi on this set of standards, if it's using unregulated radio frequencies, that means that it can fall within a wider range and that things that also generate radio frequencies within that range, when you're using your computer, your computer doesn't know which one of those, which of those signals are coming from your router and which are coming from other devices. So that's where you get your, uh, your interference. If you're saying, what kind of interference could you possibly be talking about? Well, we're talking about things like your cordless phone in your house, for example, or um, perhaps an alarm system where you have uh, wireless um, the devices that go above your windows and doors. Mm-hmm. If it, you know, it uses radio frequencies to talk to the main box um, and uh, baby monitors, stuff like that. Uh, those are all using, you know, those radio frequencies in those ranges. Yeah. And uh, of course you can, you can buy cordless phones in a, in a, not to uh, overuse that word, range of different frequencies. Sure. Um, so you could try to get to, to get around that, but, um, that's one of those things that, uh, I, I think they've been trying to improve is, is cut down on some of the interference. And that's why, um, 802.11a uses the orthogonal frequency division multiplexing. Basically, it's, Say uh, what? <laughs> it's just a system of splitting down that signal into a, a group of subsignals. Gotcha. To kind of make it, uh, less likely that you're going to be interfered with. It, it breaks it down so that it's not all in, in one, uh, one signal. Right. So you're not gonna, you're not gonna have the same interference issues. Um, it's. You shouldn't. And, and again, like we pointed out, it is faster. 802.11a is faster than 802.11b. But it's also, it's, um, Range is shorter. Mm-hmm. It's not. It doesn't go as far, and 
because of the frequencies it uses, um, it's a little more easily obstructed. So you can't necessarily broadcast through several walls. If you have a large house and you've got a, a, a wireless router in the middle, then you may notice that uh, as you move away, you start having problems getting a signal. I also suggest that you don't make your walls out of lead. Yeah, I um, never again. Yeah. Never again. I tell you one thing. Let, you know what? You make your walls out of lead and you invite Superman over. The dude is just a total jerk face the entire time. <laughs> well, he's just he's, accustomed he's, to be able to seeing through everything. Right. He's just standing around staring at the walls and just mumbling okay. curses. I can't even repeat the things that man says. Uh, nice. He just, oh, what a mouth on that guy. <laughs> Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. 
Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At any rate, uh, I, I had no idea that my little joke would turn so awry. No, but tell you what, Green Lantern is awesome. You get a few drinks in him. So, uh, so yeah, okay. 802.11a, faster, shorter range. Also was more expensive. Uh, the, both A and B were being worked on at the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah. B was, even though B was slower, it was less expensive and had a greater range. So it, it caught on a lot faster than A did. Um, A was much more expensive, so you didn't really see that getting adopted in home networks as much. Uh, but that brings us up to 802.11G. Yes. We skipped a few letters and specifications. Yes. Um, not that, you, I mean, you could, if you look up all these different numbers, uh, along, uh, with IE, you'll see that there are all these different working groups that are working on various projects that have different designations. But, it gets way too complex to talk about all that, especially since it doesn't really relate to what we're talking about here with home networking. Right. So 802.11G. Yeah, that was uh, – A and B were popular together for a while. And yeah. then G was uh, a, a good-sized leap forward, I would say. Uh, yeah, I know, agree. And, and it's been a standard um, – it, it's been widely adopted up until uh, just recently. But we'll get into that in a moment. Um, 802.11G also uses the 2.4. 4 gigahertz spectrum, just yes. like 802.11b. Mm-hmm. However, it is much faster. Bandwidth up to 54 megabits per second, as I as I see before me. That's the figure I have. Yeah, that's the number I have as well. Um, so, yeah, it's really fast uh, speed. And it's actually the... It has really much better range. Mm-hmm. It's not easily obstructed, so it's it's kind of taking the best of both worlds here. Yeah, yeah it's it got is. the range and and uh, and the penetration of eight hundred two point eleven B and the speed and um, and and uh, uh, well, really just the speed of eight hundred two point eleven A. Um, but it it was a little it's a little more expensive, or at least it was more expensive than eight hundred two point eleven B. It took a while for that to kind of become the standard in home networks, but that did become the standard after, shortly after it was introduced. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, uh, so you would look on routers and you would see if it, you know, which, which standards it was, uh, compatible with and 802.11g became more and more common. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, again, had another problem with the fact that it had the unregulated signal, just like 802.11b did. So, Again, there were there was at least the potential for signals to have some interference issues if you had a lot of other wireless uh, technologies running in the house, a lot of kids running around on walkie-talkies, or you know, over. Exactly. I'm, I'll never be over it. <laughs> I'm never over kids over at my house. Yeah. Walkie-talkies. That is just the most distracting thing in the world. Because especially because you don't have kids. Yeah. That. I, like, who I'm are like, you people? How did you get into my house? Yeah. Did Superman let you in? <laughs> Has he not gotten over the lead walls thing yet? Uh, you know. Does that All bring right. us up to 802.11n? Yes, and up until uh, very, very recently, this was not an approved standard. However, right. um, you know, I have seen from looking at the uh, Wi-Fi Alliance's website um, that uh, 802.11n is actually uh, an accepted specification at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, which was supposed to happen this year. So, uh, you know, that those of you who are going, yeah, okay, so where's the surprise in that? No, that's, that's, uh, that's right on time. They're supposed to do that this year. Um, and, uh, uh, basically you're supposed to be able to get a lot better range with 802.11n. And um, speed. And speed for that matter. 
Um, that was one of the things when I got, um, I got a new wireless, uh, access point, um, a few months ago and it had a, a proposed 802.11 n specification in it. Um, you know, since I am sitting right next to, or almost right next to the, uh, the access point, uh, I find the range is great. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. It's funny before, how it's, you are right next to it as if you could actually plug your device into it with a physical wire and how great the range is. Details, details. Actually, um, when I was, uh, down the hall, I actually moved the computer since then. Um, no, it was, it, it was giving me a much better range than the old one. So, um, so, you know, it was, it was an improvement. Um, but yeah, the, uh, 802.11n is supposed to get you up to 140 megabits per second, which is pretty speedy. Yeah, that's... Considering I can't even get my, uh, my, uh, DSL connection near that fast. Right. So, you were asking, uh, Mark about the difficulties in networking if you have different machines running on different uh, that require different standards. Yes, that will be a problem because uh, you have to have the right. It's it's like an antenna. You have to have the right kind of antenna to pick up the right kind of frequency. Yeah, and um, it sort of depends on what kind of card you have. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. Go ahead. Uh, you you need to have uh, something that will receive these signals in your computer. Yes. Um, and uh, you know you, you can get cards that are built right in, and there are also uh, different kinds of cards that you can add on. And aftermarket, depending on what kind of computer you have. Yeah. Um, and many of these cards can actually accept more than one standard. Like they'll they'll say it'll be you know you'll see like a B slash N or something like that or N slash G or. Yeah, chances are actually if you go out and buy whatever off the shelf now, it's going to be N compatible and backwards compatible with the other three yeah. standards. Which is great. I mean, if you don't have those compatible ones, then obviously if you were to get if you were to have an old. Now, 802.11G wireless card in a laptop and you got an 802.11N router. It's not going to do you any good. Yeah. You're not going to be able to access those faster speeds because you're limited by, it's kind of the, the weakest link in the, in the chain kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you're, you're limited by whatever your, your least fast device is going to be. Uh, in that, in that, chain from router to computer. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it can cause a little issue. It's not, not as bad as you might think because most things that are, most of routers and modems that have been sold in the, the last few years have really kind of ironed out a lot of the compatibility issues. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, again, it's kind of confusing because the standards do evolve over time and, uh, the group is always working on different projects that mean that, you know, within another five or six years, we may see something different. And not only that, but we have other networking technologies that also come into play that uh, can be a little confusing. There's Bluetooth. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that. Well, I was getting ready to mention Bluetooth. Oh, please do. Um, there are a couple different standards of Bluetooth technology. Now, Bluetooth... Um, in general, has a shorter uh, distance that you can use yeah, it with. a smaller range. Yes. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yes. Thank you for fixing that. No worries. Um, hey, who's the editor here? Yeah, well, that would be me. <laughs> um, except when I'm talking. This is why I edit. Yeah, um, yeah it uh, actually operates on a frequency of 2.45 gigahertz. Uh, generally between 2.402 and 2.480 if you're, you know, splitting hairs. For those of you taking notes. Yeah, yeah. And you can, you know, connect up to, uh, eight 
devices. Um, you find I don't think a lot of people use Bluetooth to connect a lot of devices to their computer, except maybe like a wireless keyboard or mouse. Maybe, maybe, a or or yeah, maybe a printer. Uh, sometimes your phone. I had a phone that used Bluetooth, and I could drag and drop files over. Like if I wanted to change ringtones, I yeah. could make an MP3 and and you know connect with it. The, wirelessly the promise of Bluetooth is really, really cool in the sense that you can have this personal area network. Yeah. And, you know, you, the network would constantly be changing depending on what devices you brought within the, the scope of that network. So you could bring two devices together and it creates one network. You bring those two devices toward a third device and you've got a new network. You take one device away. You, I mean, it, it's a really flexible, uh, and, and, uh, dynamic system. It's really, really cool. I don't think anyone uses it to the to its potential. Yeah. Really. I mean, I, I don't. Well, I, no I one I right. know of uses Bluetooth. Like the the people who use Bluetooth that I know are using the very, very basic. So it's like normally headset. The, the headset and the and the phone, the handset. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it. Or some of them are using some sort of handset and a car, mm-hmm. like the car that's Bluetooth enabled, so that the handset syncs with the car and they can listen to music. Or they can use a, a GPS system, something like that, where uh, or even use the car's sound system for a uh, um, if they're taking on calls or things of that nature. But again, it's still you're talking about a two device maximum there, as opposed yeah. to what the real potential for Bluetooth is. I know somebody else is going to write in too. Now that I think about it, uh, another device that you might see people use with their uh, Bluetooth enabled computer would be a set of headphones. Yeah, that that's pretty common. That's too. true. That's true. Um, that so. is another common one. Yeah. Um, and another thing we were another kind of uh, wireless standard I was going to talk about with WiMAX. Yep, yep. So WiMAX and Wi-Fi are two different things. They are not the you often will see the media re- reference WiMAX as saying something like Wi-Fi on steroids, which is that's, I mean, that's an oversimplification. Yeah, it's definitely an oversimplification. Yes, WiMAX has a greater range than Wi-Fi mm-hmm. standards. Yeah, because uh, it can reach up to uh, 30 miles, I believe. Right, something like Somewhere that. Somewhere around and, there. And so WiMAX has a much larger range, and yes, you can get very fast uh, downlink and uplink speeds on WiMAX, or relatively fast anyway. About, about 70 megabits per second. So, yeah, it's pretty fast. I mean, it's still not as fast as you know, 802.11n, uh, but still. Yes, but you're not going to get 802.11n much past, oh, I don't know, like the street in front of your house. Yeah, you're not going <laughs> to. That's the other thing, is that when we talk about these speeds, we're talking about the maximum that those devices are capable of generating. That doesn't necessarily mean that's the speed you will experience. Oh, that's you will true, experience that's true. it based upon what your ISP provides to you. Yeah, actually, when I was saying a few minutes ago that my uh, DSL struggles to reach 1.5 megabit per second, you know, I have a, uh, my router now is an 802.11n. I'm never going to see anything faster than 1.5 megabits per second because yeah. that's as fast as it's going to go. Now, if I connect with another computer, uh, if I have, you know, say, my music library on one computer, I want to move it to another, I can move it at that speed. Right. Uh, provided my so, the cards in both computers will reach that speed. So data transfers within your network will go at, at the, the ideal speed. Right. But right. data coming into or moving out of your network to the outside world, the Internet, yeah. is going to move at whatever yeah. speed the Internet service provider has designated or what your t- uh, current technology is capable of delivering. Yeah, so the slowest point of connection in this case would be my, you know, pipe to the outside world yeah. and, and everything else is regulated by that. Right. Everything inside super fast. Everything outside not so fast. Still fast, just not nearly as fast. Yes, we, if, we we sit there and think about how slow this is, but then we sit there and like, hey, do you remember that 
those baud modems. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's very fast compared to dial-up modems. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So WiMAX, getting back to WiMAX. Yes. Um, yeah, it's a totally different set of standards. Uh, 802.16. I like to, I like to describe WiMAX the way I'd try to describe it to someone, uh, in how it works. If you, if you want to try and visualize it with an analogy Mm -hmm. is imagine a big circular building that has, uh, a set number of doors along the perimeter of the building. So we'll say 40. There are 40 doors that are on the perimeter of the building. 
That means that 40 people can walk in and out of that building carrying stuff in and taking stuff out. So mm-hmm. those 40 people, that would be people connecting to the WiMAX tower to, to get data. So, right. So home networks, necess- pretty much. Okay. Um, and after that, after those 40 doors are, are taken up by the various people, that's it. It's not going to accept any more people on that tower, which means that every single person is going to still get the uh, the speeds that they were promised. Right. You know, there's no choking because there's no bottleneck there because the tower has cut off the number of people who can connect to it. Wi-Fi is different. Wi-Fi, people just keep piling in and out. There's like one big set of doors, and everyone is trying to get in and out of that set of doors at the same time. So the more people are trying to access a Wi-Fi spot, the slower you're going to experience, the slower the data rates will be, mm-hmm. the slower the data mm-hmm. transfer rates will be. That makes sense. Um, because it it does not limit the number like WiMAX does. So it's a do- different approach, really. Um and WiMAX, of course, is just one of the 4G solutions that we're looking at in the in in the future. There are others as well, such as LTE, which yeah. is long term evolution. Yes. Looks it looks like those two are going to be fighting it out to be the the 4G standard, depending on on whom you ask and yeah, where uh, you live and uh, what what uh, company you happen to be working for that is backing which standard at the right. time. Here in Atlanta, we're actually seeing WiMAX now. Um, yep. And a few other cities in the United States also have WiMAX now, and more are expected to get it within uh, the next year. Yep, but LTE is on its way. I'm I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and that's it, also that's also being uh, giving the uh, the fast track in development. Mm-hmm. I do want to clarify though, just to make certain that everyone understands that um, if you have a Wi-Fi card, 802.11a, b, g, or n, um, those may or may not be compatible with you know a a particular. Uh, card or you know some uh, plug-in for your computer, but Bluetooth and WiMAX are going to require their own separate thing. They're yeah. not they're not related. You can't get one card, as far as I know, you can't get one card that will get all of those frequencies, you know, in one thing that you can plug into your machine. You're right, looking right. at probably three. Yeah, um, you know. Although I guess you could argue that WiMAX could replace. Wi-Fi, except unless you're actually, well, if you're doing home networking stuff, if you're trying to actually transfer data between machines in your home network, then you will need something. Because WiMAX, it's, it's reporting back to the internet service provider. It's not, it's not a home networking solution. Well, okay. That's actually a good point because, um, the, the particular WiMAX provider that is advertising in the Atlanta area shows off that you can have your laptop with you and, Get access anywhere. You could be on the bus. You could be, you know, at a sidewalk cafe. You could be at your home, and you're still going to get your WiMAX speed. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. However, if you're using basically what they're showing off is a as a uh, a dongle type card modem thing. Yes, um, that's the scientific term for it. Yes, the dongle type modem card thing. Yes, yes. I think it's on the box. <laughs> Okay, okay. So anyway, you plug the thing in the side of your computer and you, can do, and you can go anywhere. What happens if you go home and you want to hook up, say, your spouse's computer? Well, now she you're kind of... not need the internet. <laughs> well, see, that's what the... is she going to do with it? Okay, so okay. then you're stuck. That's no no more home networking if all you have is that one type of uh, you know connectivity. Uh, you know, they offer this. The WiMAX provider also offers a home modem. And then you could plug that into a Wi-Fi connection. But if you want to get, you know, the WiMAX all around town, you're going to have to have the portable. Uh, yeah, a lot of the, so that's that's a difference. It does have. It you does, might actually have a WiMAX and a Wi-Fi 
Well, yeah, they, they yeah, that's true. House. That's true. I've seen, I've seen the packages I've seen usually involve. You can get one of each. You can get one that's the home solution where you you hook that up to your router. So, but you have to buy both of them. Yes, but but it's but there's some that's a, like a package deal though. So you're getting a discount you're, as opposed to if you were buying each separately. They just function um, differently, is all. Yes, yes. So yes, you would still have to have your wireless router. Uh, mm-hmm. Which would, that's working on the Wi-Fi. If you want to hook up all your computers. To yes, it. exactly, and within your home, and then you would have the WiMAX dongle for whichever computer you have designated as the the main one. Whenever you're heading outside the house and you want to be able to hook directly to your ISP. The nice thing about that is you don't have to pay for any other like Wi-Fi services, any hotspots or anything like that. And well, you, you don't have to. You don't have to depend upon. No, yeah, because with the when WiMAX, you're range. yeah, you're connecting right to the WiMAX thing tower, not not to Wi-Fi uh, networks. Mm-hmm. And so, I know that's a big problem for us. Uh, us being me and my wife, uh, we when we're traveling around uh, town, we have to hope that wherever we're going has a Wi-Fi network, and yeah. that that hopefully it's a Wi-Fi network where we don't have to pay extra to get attached to it. Because when you're already paying. Uh, an internet service provider to get access to the internet. You kind of hate the thought of having to pay again because you're like, hey, if we were home, we right. could access this based on our plan. We wouldn't have to pay extra. So, yeah, we get a little miffed. Yeah, mightily miffed. Well Great done. was the miffage thereof. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that uh, that pretty much covers the whole Wi-Fi angle. Yeah, I'm sure we've confused everyone by now. I, I'm. I know I'm more confused than when we started. <laughs> So good job. Awesome. Um, well, you know, I guess that means that it's time to wrap things up with a little a listener mail. This listener mail comes from Casey. Hey guys, I love the podcast. I had a quick question for you. I've heard that Mac and Linux operating systems don't get viruses like Windows computers do. As far as I can tell, I haven't even heard of a virus protection software for my Leopard running operating system. Is this because the Unix base that Mac and Linux were built on is less susceptible, or because Windows is a little easier to target because of how mainstream their operating system is? Keep up the good work, and I would love to hear the answer to this sometime. Okay, see, first of all, let's let's address a couple things. Uh, Linux... Does not have a Unix base. <laughs> no, technically it does not. <laughs> it is. It was inspired. Linux was inspired by Unix, or rather, we should say, Linus was inspired by Unix. Actually, he was inspired by um, Minix. Uh, Minix, which in turn was a a kind of open source alternative to Unix. Yes. So you have Unix, you had the open source alternative to Unix called Minix. You had Linus Torvalds, who was then inspired by Minix to create Linux. So uh, let's get that out of the way. Um, as for, are they just naturally less susceptible? Not technically. I mean, they're, it's, it's more challenging to create the, uh, a, something that exploits a vulnerability in Linux or Mac because you've got, uh, with, in the case of Linux, you've got a, a community that is dedicated to finding these things out and fixing them before they become problems. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that it's impossible. It just means it's more challenging because you've, you know, you've got, the entire worldwide Linux community working on this stuff, um, even though there are various distributions and each distribution is slightly different from each other distribution. Mac, you've got a closed system, which is harder to get into and learn how that works because Apple controls the whole Mac uh, situation from the hardware to the operating system. Uh, even so, it is possible to create... Uh, 
programs that exploit vulnerabilities. We've seen that both in Macs and in Linux systems. Uh, recently, we've seen some that went as that that even exploited vulnerabilities or could exploit a vulnerability within the Linux kernel itself. Um, that doesn't mean that they're as vulnerable as a Windows system. Your question of is Windows more vulnerable because it's more popular? In a way, yes. It's certainly more popular with hackers. For one thing, I mean, it's it's more accessible. Yep. Uh, also, more people are using Windows, so therefore your target is you've got a, a target-rich environment is what our friends in the military would call it. Yes. Uh-huh. It's it means that if you do write some malicious software, you're going to hit way more victims if you do it for Windows than you're going to hit if you use it for Mac or Linux, just because there are more people using Windows out there than the alternatives. Mm-hmm. But if you look at some of the vulnerabilities that exploit server software, that's all Linux-based stuff. Yeah. I mean, almost all of it. Not not all of it. Don't write me. I know not all of it, but a great deal of it. So uh, it is possible. It's just not as common. Yeah, and there are, uh, there are a couple of security providers who have written uh, Mac virus software and has been out for many, many years now. Um, actually, uh, actually, I think Snow Leopard came with some antivirus in under the hood. Uh yeah, it's it's sort of invisible. Yeah, actually. So, so it's not actually, like I've actually noticed it, let me put yeah, it that way. Okay. Um but uh but yeah, I mean and and the one the one I would say that is arguable arguably the largest um is a company called Intego and they're the ones who always draw attention to uh vulnerabilities when they are pointed out and um they usually get sort of picked on uh in in uh, some of the stuff that I've read because they go, oh yeah, well you guys are the ones writing the software. Of course, that's what happens when Symantec or or uh, McAfee also points out that there are vulnerabilities out there. I mean, they have a vested interest in keeping that um, in mind. But a yeah. lot of in a lot of cases too, the uh, the Mac stuff scans for Windows uh, um, malware as well, which is useful if you're running an Intel Mac and happen to be running and, and happen to have an installation of Windows and the Mac operating system right. on your you've, Mac. You've dual booted. Um, so, you know, it, it can be handy. But a lot of people in the Mac world still uh, believe that their position is very secure and uh, do not use uh, antivirus software. Right. Now, that does not mean if you have a Mac or Linux machine that you should go clicking on every single link and, and installing every single application you come across because... You never know when that that vulnerability will be discovered and exploited. Uh, here's the tricky thing about hackers who find vulnerabilities: some of them don't make it uh, public knowledge, and so it may be you know that it's constantly a game of let's catch up to what the hackers know, and uh, and then patch it. So just be careful. Uh, yeah, Max and Linux machines aren't going to experience them as often as Windows are, uh, just in general. But it's it's not outside the realm of possibility. hope you enjoyed that look back. I will remind you that things have changed quite a bit since 2009. We have seen improvements in both WiMAX and Wi-Fi over that time, as well as improvements to Bluetooth and other wireless transmission technologies. No big surprise there. You would imagine that we would continue to improve on those. But I hope that gives you the basics that you needed to understand the differences in what these things do and what they're intended for. And if you guys have any suggestions for future episodes, first of all, I'm going to be back in the studio very soon. So definitely let me know what you want to hear about, because I'll be ready to record as soon as I get back. 
whether that happens to be a specific technology or it's a person or a company or maybe you have a specific guest host in mind, you would love to have a guest host come in and talk about a particular subject, let me know. Send me an email. That address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com or drop me a line on Twitter, Facebook, or Tumblr at all three. I am techstuffhsw. And I'll talk to you again really soon. more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.